Hello, and welcome to the Activation Nation podcast, your weekly source of actionable advice from industry experts in self-development, health, life vantage products, network marketing, and more to help you activate your wellness, your business, and your life. Today's episode focuses on industry, one of the four pillars of belief. But first, the legal stuff. You may hear our guests talk about the income they've earned or how their health has been affected with LifeVantage. Please note that the average annual earnings of a typical active LifeVantage distributor in 2021 was $704. For the most up-to-date information, please click the link in our show notes. Any product statements have not been evaluated by the Food and Drug Administration. Our products are not intended to diagnose, treat, cure, or prevent any disease. And now, here's your host to dive into today's story to help you activate your life. Hello, Activation Nation, and welcome to our first official podcast episode. I'm Kristen Cunningham, the CSO at LifeVantage, and I had the chance to sit down with one of our pro tens, Tyler Daniels, to talk all about belief in the network marketing industry. And what I love about this is Tyler's experience comes across in a way that is just so relatable to anyone at any level. Um, The premise of it was all around the fact that at some point in your life, you are going to be approached about network marketing by somebody and really wanting to make sure um, that you have the information and the knowledge from somebody who has been in this industry a really long time and has some great insights. So with that, we are excited to hear my conversation with Tyler. All right. Well, Tyler, we are here talking about network marketing. And, you know, I I was thinking the other day, and I can say this is true for my life, but at some point in everybody's life, they are going to be approached by a family member, a friend, a neighbor, a dog, like you name it, somebody is going to approach you about network marketing and joining their network marketing business. So I thought it would be kind of cool as someone who has had tremendous success in this industry, as someone who has had, you know, some difficult times in this industry um, through, you know, many different companies, just really walking through like, what do people need to watch out for when they're asked about joining a network marketing company? Well, you know, I... I think that's a really great question because I think a lot of people do experience that. I, I can take you back to the very beginning when I was when I was first approached by this industry, and I had no idea what it was. Was it a friend? Was it a family? It was, was it? It was, it was actually a friend in the military. So I was <laughs> I was I was in the military. A friend, in, and there's yeah, a, a whole yeah. other layer to that. There is. I mean, in the military, you don't make a lot of money, but you're pretty committed to what you're doing, right? There or you, you go. Should, or you should be, right? There you go. So you have a lot of loyalty to your, mm-hmm. your friends and to your you know different different people who are in charge mm-hmm. of you in the military. And, it, and there was a there was a, a company that was kind of running through. They're all, all spare names of different companies today, but but it was having some success in the military. And so I got invited to a meeting. I had no idea what it was, and so I, I got excited. I got excited by what they were telling me, and as I started to go down that down that road, I started to realize that. You know, maybe they had misled me just a little bit on, on what <laughs> there's were, some irony what in there. Were, what they were telling me, you know, it's this idea that we were going to make a bunch of money pretty quick, and that we were just going to kind of get involved, and it would it would happen. And you know, this idea that you didn't have to work the rest of your life, which really appealed to me. I was like, <laughs> I'm in. I'm like, I don't need to go and work for you know 50 more years before I can retire. Yeah. I'm I'm in. Let's do it. Let's go. And so. I did that, but it only took about six months before I got really you know, disappointed in what was going on in that company. Yeah. And I, I learned probably the biggest lesson 
at, at least at that stage in my career in this in this industry, about how important the exposure that a company has uh, and the impact that that exposure will have actually in your success. So, for example, if everyone knows who your company is, you know, it, it's fun to be in, in that company early on and grow with that company to that point. But if you're joining that company later on in life, mm -hmm. you can still succeed yeah. if you have the talents to do it. But it's going to be a lot more difficult because your, your group of people that you can use as your uh -huh. audience is a lot smaller. Well, it's kind of like the myth, too, of if you're not in first. Mm-hmm. You're not going to make money. That's right. There's there's a lot of that that goes th that goes on, and so let's take it to the other side of that conversation because the flip like, side of I what it. I just said is maybe getting in at the very very beginning of a company, and that can be exciting. And I've I've done that. I've been I've been involved in the very very early stages, designing compensation plans and all that kind of stuff. Mm -hmm. But the problem on the other end of the spectrum from being a super large company is that there's very little stability in a brand new company. There's not. You know, there, there's there's a lot of uncertainty. Right. Can we pay the bills? Can we provide right. the product? Can we deliver the product on time? Is there enough resources? Does the company have enough in place to be able to actually handle the right. distribution of the products? And if you're really, really good, you might outrun the company's ability to keep up with your success. Which is not a good it's thing. It's not a good thing. Yeah. And so there's kind of a sweet spot, you know, it's probably somewhere in the middle of these things where you can come in and the company's established. Mm -hmm. You know, there's probably a little sweet spot. It doesn't mean you can't succeed on either end. It just means that there's a sweet spot if you're doing this for the first time. Right. Where you might want to just ask, how big is this company? What have they done for the last 10, 15 years? You know, what have they been doing? You know, what kind of support systems are in place for me? And if those things are in place, you should give it a shot. At least in my opinion. I mean... What are your choices? What are your choices? You know, I love choices? that. How old were you? Is that okay for me to ask? I was, I would, at the, my first experience, I was 20 years old. 20 years old. Mm -hmm. 20 years old. So if you could go back to 20-year-old Tyler and say, hey, beware of this or, or watch out for this, what, what would your advice to yourself be? Well, knowing what I know today, I, I wish I would have had that kind of hindsight, you know? Yeah. Well, <laughs> back then. Don't but, we all? But, but knowing what I know today, I would have just been a little bit more consistent in my effort and I would not have taken the 10 years off that I took off. Mm. I became so disappointed in the industry that I took 10 years off and just pursued, in, in my case, I pursued a, a real estate appraisal business. Yeah. And so I took 10 years off because I just thought that the industry had, had at some level lied to me a little bit. And I know that's not a really fun word to hear, but I mm. thought they had lied to me until I, until I got invited back in by another friend of mine. And I was kind of like... I don't even know if I would, I was just kind of a skeptic to it, but my mentor in real estate appraisal told me I should do it and I fought it. I didn't want to do it, but because my mentor told me to do it, I just kind of tried it again. And I had a lot of success because the company I joined was kind of in that, that area where they were growing and it was exciting and it didn't require me to do all the work. And I, after having that success, I decided to become a student of the industry. And if I could go back to when I was 20, I would have said, be a student of the industry first. Understand the industry, understand what drives this industry, understand what drives people to success in this industry, how much, you know, how much work are you willing to put in and then be consistent with it. That's what I would have done. And I would not have wasted those 10 years mm -hmm. avoiding what has become the most financially impactful uh, industry in my entire life. So is it fair to say that, you know, initially 20-year-old Tyler joined because of excitement of, of what could mm -hmm. happen after some hard work? Mm -hmm. And then maybe, what, you said 10 years later, 30-year-old Tyler was a little more jaded, was a little more skeptical. Very skeptical, very jaded, and really only did it because someone important to me in my life 
kind of, I'll just, I'll, I won't say he really demanded it, but he just really heavily suggested that I have what he called a backup plan. And I don't know why that would ever be a bad, a bad decision for anybody in life. I don't care what, what business yeah. you're in. We, as we get older and we experience a lot of things in life and you look back at your life, I'm sure that you will recognize times in your life where it would have been really nice to have the comfort of a backup plan. Industries change. Yeah. Your job titles change, right. requirements change. Maybe you didn't get the promotion that you thought you should get. And so if you have a backup plan that you can go be part of, in my case, it was really, really good advice. And that's that's really the advice I give a lot of people now is even if it's just from the perspective of a backup plan, why would you not do that? Lots of people have side hustles, especially today. It's, it's become such a big deal in society today to have that little side hustle for just a little bit extra. Why would you not entertain something that if you have the the willingness to go become a student of this industry can be the biggest side hustle you've ever had or the biggest return on a side hustle that you could ever have. And, and I think part of that, you know, I've been in this industry about 16 years, and I think part of it is just having to overcome a massive stigma. And even like in your story, I think you experienced that stigma mm -hmm. a little of, hey, you know, I can come in and not have to work anymore or, or whatever. And it's almost like just a little bit of a myth. So I want I want to kind of spend the next few minutes just like let's myth bust the industry a little bit about things that people might tell you that they really shouldn't be telling you. And the first one and is, and this applies, I would say, for everywhere in life, but get rich quick. Yeah, I, you know, I... <laughs> Like I've you should heard, probably I've, run from somebody promising you that. that. I've, I've heard that it takes care of itself. You know, I've heard so many different things. Fake it till you make it, which is one of the things I hate the most. I think when people say fake it till you make it or it's get rich quick or, you know, only those at the top make all the money. I think if you start hearing that from somebody, you should absolutely avoid that. They're not going to mentor you properly. Mm -hmm. Those things are absolutely not true. In fact, I'll give you an example. You know, the whole fake it till you make it thing, which is just kind of a sensitive spot for me these days. I've been hearing it so much lately is to me, it sounds like this. Just lie to people till they figure out you're lying. Just okay. When you say it like that, it doesn't sound so positive. It's not. So why would you not just be honest? Why would you not say, listen, yeah. I'm doing this side hustle. I'm working with some great mentors. Here's the level of success I'm having. Let's learn this together. Why don't you find a partner in this that you can run with, like running in a race with a partner that you kind of pick each other up when you fall down? Why wouldn't you just be honest? The industry is full of success stories that you can look at it. Every walk of life, every background, every race, every age, the industry is full of all of it. You can find somebody in this industry that is just like you. So you don't have to fake it till you make it. You can follow their story, follow their path, understand how they had that success, and it's available to you. Our industry is filled with people who only succeed if they help elevate you, mm -hmm. okay, it's, it's, it's a weird thing for most people to think about because in order for me to have success, I have to embrace your success. I have to lower a ladder to you to drive, to help you climb to my level for me to move to the next one. There is no other way to do it in this industry. So it's a beautiful place to come in and have mentorship if they're giving you the right advice. I believe in having the transparent, the mentors having transparency and integrity so that I can trust what they're telling me is true. I can trust that the behaviors that they're trying to tell me to follow, the number of meetings every week or the number of contacts every week, I can trust that those are accurate statements. So the fake it till you make it thing is just something that really bothers me. I hate it when people say that. I don't like it. Um, the get rich quick thing, I, I, I will just tell you right now, um, the word quick should never be 
used in, in a presentation for MLM. I mean, if you want to talk about get rich consistently, fine. We can do that. If you want to talk about, you know, get rich with proper behaviors, uh-huh. fine. We can talk about that. But you've got to find someone who's going to teach you what those that consistent proper behavior looks like. And then you can actually have success. But just remember this. You will not find very many things in life that are going to give you a return or an experience that does not require an effort on your part. So true. Well, and it's almost like as we're in this industry, we almost dig our own hole because it's like if we're not honest and and proud about this industry, we almost feel the need to overcorrect and, oh, it's not that hard. It's not going to just please join me. It's not going to it's not going to be that difficult when in all reality, you're kind of just setting people up to fail with that mentality. Completely agree. Completely agree. You want to you want to understand the basic fundamentals, the basic behaviors to get yourself started. Mm-hmm. And then if you're part of a company that has any kind of future, any kind of legacy type future, and there's several big companies that have proven that it's possible. So, right. so we know being in a legacy company is possible. So if you find yourself in a legacy company early on or in those middle stages, they're going to be able to provide you with almost what we would call a roadmap to success. Mm -hmm. So we're going to give you those basic uh, fundamentals, the basic behaviors, the little basic information that you need to get started. And then that company will also provide like what I would just call maybe climbing a ladder. They're going to call, they're going to have little rungs of education along the way so that you don't have to try to know Everything that those big distributors, those big leaders that you a lot of times will see on stage is presenting, you don't have to know what they know today. You will walk up that ladder or climb up that ladder to get to where they're at. Mm -hmm. And it's a really simple process. And it's, you know, it can take a few years. It can take three, five, ten years. But so what? I mean, look at it like this. I would rather follow that five or ten or even a twenty. I mean, what if it was twenty years? What if it was half of the time that society tells you that you have to follow, and you could have a at least the same or maybe even a better result because you create an income that is now generated through your efforts of building a distribution model for the last five or ten years? That these people, if they love your products, just buy them every month. Yeah. So I just I start to have these kind of conversations with people because I want them to understand. If we're going to build something that's going to give you that legacy or give you that longevity, uh, you know, with at least with the financial side of this, you've got to build the kind of foundation that that structure can stand on. You have to build that the the relationships and the distribution model, the the confidence in those early enrollments of yours, that early foundation of yours. They've got to be strong enough to handle the massive amount of structure that you're going to build on top of it. So we don't do that fast. There's this this get rich quick thing is just not it's not how we do it. We build it with strength, and that takes time. Time to cure that relationship is what you've got yeah, to have. You have to. It's, I, I hear you saying it's hard work and it's patience. It is. And consistency. Consistency, consistency. is probably Love the that. most important word for anybody in this industry to understand. So I want to talk a little bit about, you know, we t- talked kind of about that myth of do something or get something for nothing, essentially, get rich quick. The other thing is I, I think I see, you know, a little bit of a trap, too, in overpromising on a product or making claims of a product that, frankly, can be kind of dangerous if, you know, not to be a downer, but so how important is identifying just the product that you want to represent in terms of a company? So I I actually think it's really important. Um, You know, a lot of times over the years, I get accused of not being a product guy, which is strange to me because I 
I actually do understand them, but let me, let me talk about product for just a second. I am not willing to sacrifice my ethics or my character to just sell some garbage product because they're going to give me a paycheck. Mm-hmm. I'm not personally, no, I know a lot of people who have done that. Might I mean, it's, sleep it's not, fine at night doing that. And, and I'm not even suggesting that they shouldn't. I'm just saying that for me, I want to be a part of a company that has a product or a, or a catalog of products that are, you know, they're kind of related to one another, that it's in a, in a market that I believe in that's going to help people long term. I want to be a part of a product that I'm not afraid to talk about. Now, when I first gotten started in this industry, the, the kind of scientific... Um, I guess uh, this, the kind of scientific support or the kind mm-hmm. of scientific validation that companies had wasn't really very good. I mean, it was, well, our scientists in our basement did a study, <laughs> right? And this is the results and yeah. ignore the fact that we paid them for the study. <laughs> you know, It was kind of like that because our scientists are so great. But today what you have is you, you have companies now that are, that are elevating the standard. The, sta- right. the, the scientific standard that you have to meet today is actually pretty high because of our access to information. So when you're looking at a company and you're looking at their products, one of the things I would suggest that you do is say, who did your science, scientific research? Who did the study? You know, where's, is it coming from reputable places? Is it coming from a third party, for example? Is it, is it being published in peer-reviewed articles? I mean, those are things that can really set you apart as a distributor and not, mm-hmm. and not make you walk away from that community or that conversation with somebody wondering if you maybe hurt your integrity a little bit or, right. or challenge right. the reputation that you have. And so I would, I would say it's available today. You can find companies today that have elevated that standard and you should find a product that you have passion about that meets that new standard so that you don't have to try to answer questions about why your, yours doesn't. You know, it's, it's, a, it's a really, really important thing, in my opinion. I now, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna, I'm gonna to take this to just, a, just kind of on a little, rab- a little rabbit trail here. Let's okay? do it. Let's go. On a little rabbit trail here. I was taught early on when it comes to making claims that it's, it's, I mean, you're in a sales business, whether people like to hear that or not. You are in a sales, but you're in a sales business every day of your life. That's let, let's, let's be honest. Totally you had to true. sell yourself to your spouse. You, you sell experiences that you have every day to your friends, restaurants, movies. I mean, you're in a sales business. At some level, this is a sales business. So I want you to think about it like this. What if you looked in the newspaper and you were looking for a car and you saw a car that you really wanted and let's just... We'll use 1960s prices at five thousand dollars. Okay, it's not terrible considering (laughs) where we are now. Your car, it's your dream car. It's five thousand dollars. So you roll down to the dealership and you get there, and they say, "Yeah, we just put that in the newspaper to get you here." The car's really twenty thousand dollars. How do you feel? I mean, first of all, annoyed. Like you, you were lied to. Still gonna buy it? I mean, someone in my house would probably buy it, but I would say. It's it's yeah most disappointing. People, most people at, at are going to be least. disappointed in the least, and I I would say most people probably don't buy it. Right, they walk away going, "You lied to me. I can't trust you on anything else." Right, I'm never going to buy a car here again. You just faked me into being here. You mm-hmm. fake it till you make it. Yeah, we're back. Okay, see where I'm coming from? Yeah. Versus, what if you saw your dream car in there, <clears throat> and it was twenty thousand dollars, and you're like, "I'm going to go buy that car." Okay, and you roll into that dealership and they go, hey, it's your lucky day. We put 20 grand in there to get you down here, but we're selling them for 5,000 a day. How many do you want? Different story. Probably four in that one. The math checks out. Right? Because you over-delivered 
and under-promised. Yeah, I like okay? that. I believe that the, one of the best things you can do is under-promise and over-deliver in all of your conversations. I think it's going to take us 10 years to get this thing done, but it only takes three how excited is your team? It might take us six months to make that first or second rank, but it only took you six weeks. Under-promise and over-deliver, and your experience will be so much better. This product is, I, I'm, I'm kind of feeling some good stuff about it. I can't wait to hear what it, what, how you feel about it. And then let them use the product. Don't tell them it's going to, you know, make their, their whole life change and they're going to see fireworks every day when you wake up, tap them, take your product and go... I don't feel any different today than I did yesterday. Does that make sense? 100%. And I think the other thing that's interesting to me about that, just that whole concept of under-promise, over-deliver, is there's so much that you can't control in this industry, like how hard someone works or what they decide to do the day after they enroll. Like It is better for you to take on that attitude. Absolutely. And so be that example. Be that example for your team, and you'll find out that when you get six, seven, eight, ten generations away from you, they'll still be following your example. Yeah. And your group will be a lot happier. They'll be a lot more successful. They're going to be like, this is way better than I thought it was. And you can start to dispel I love that. some of the myths that are out there. Because they're, I mean, those myths exist. And, you know, I mean, whether they're completely accurate or not, I guess we can have a debate about that. I mean, I'm sure in some cases they are. It's why they exist. But for the most part, it's it's somebody that was probably mentored incorrectly. They were probably over-promised and under-delivered. Yeah, you're right. And that created the storyline that then, you know, gets passed around in society. And when you join one of these companies, they kind of look at you weird because <laughs> they heard the story from their sister's, you know, brother-in-law's mom or whatever because they were mentored incorrectly. Find a group of people, find a company, find leadership that, that you can align their men, their mentorship up with being proper. You know, I mean, don't mm -hmm. just make sure that they're make sure they're being transparent and giving you good advice. It's just so much easier. We actually have a responsibility as big leaders, you know, to shift a little bit away from what that first experience is. I really wish the bigger leaders in this industry would take a little bit more active role or a little bit take a little bit more um, responsibility in in how we actually teach and train and mentor in this industry. We could dispel a lot of the myths if we would just be a little bit better mentors. I love that. And here's the thing that I was, you know, that made me think of. You, you, you talked about kind of the big leaders, the the newer people in in that last comment. And is there a place for everybody in this industry? I mean, I think that's kind of one of the other myths is it's like we, we started out with this. It's like the top or, or nothing else. But have you seen people be successful at every level? So I'm, I'm going to tell you a story <clears throat> from some of the earlier, earlier days with me again. This was, this was, I love this question because it was kind of a hard lesson for me. Mm -hmm. I could not imagine anybody not thinking like me. Hmm. I was like, we're going to win. We're going to win the Super Bowl. We're going to make millions. I was like, and who, in, who could not, who doesn't want that? Right? Yeah. I mean, I just could not ever believe that everyone who joined didn't want to be at the absolute top and willing to do anything they had to to get there. I mean, extraordinary. Was this 20-year-old Tyler? This Where was, are we in? No, this was 30-year-old Tyler. 30-year-old Tyler. Okay. The you know, just wanted... 20-year-old Tyler was just, you know, head in the clouds. I mean, I was 20 <laughs> years old. This would be great, right? Can you? I'm going to be 25 and retire. I mean, all that kind of stuff, okay. right? 30-year-old Tyler was a little more... I was a little bit more... I guess we'd just say calculated in it. There you, you go. You know, I was a little more, 
that makes sense? I was a little more, I was so skeptical that I had to, like, I had to research it enough to prove to myself before I would take the next step. Got it. And so because I went through that process, though, because I truly studied the industry to try to understand what demographics drive this industry, what, you know, what different types of products are actually the most prominent in this industry, what matters, because I took the time to understand those things, as well as all the different types of compensation plans. I mean, there are, there are compensation plans that are built for certain types of people. Right. And you need to, you need to look at those comp plans and understand whether the one you're in really does appeal to what your, you know, what your five or 10 year goal mm-hmm. is. Okay. So I went down this, I went down this road of, you know, we're all going to make a ton of money. I can't believe you're not making the same set. And I, I even got mad. I was like, why is nobody doing what I'm doing? <laughs> right? You I sounded like you were really fun to work with. <laughs> yes. Yeah, I, I was a blast. Yeah. <laughs> I was a blast. Okay. So what it led me to, though, is I was doing all my presentations. I was doing them all. Um, I didn't think anybody else should stand in front of the room. I thought I, if, if I didn't do the presentation, we were not going to succeed. You know, so I wouldn't let anybody else have that spotlight. This is who I was. And I wouldn't hug anybody. I mean, I mean you guys, I, and I know that might sound like a weird thing to throw in right here, but this industry is a big family and yeah. you're going to find out that you really enjoy these people. They're, right. they're really great people in this industry mm-hmm. and they want to know you and they want to know your kids and there's handshakes and hugs and we're all friends. Okay. But I wouldn't do any of that because I was just, we're going to make money. <laughs> you know, that's, that's what I was here for. And one day my mentor in this industry, she's, she's an amazing lady. She pulled me aside and, and she said, you know, Tyler, have you, ever, have you ever played on any sports teams? And I go, well, yeah, that's all I did. Of you know? course. And we won the Super Bowl. You know? Come yeah. And we win. You know? Yeah. It's like, you know, have you ever done that? And I said, of course. She goes, well, were you, did you play all the positions? <laughs> <laughs> and I went, what? And she goes, well, what did you play? I said, baseball. She goes, did you play first base, third base, pitcher, shorts? I mean, what, did you play them all at the same time or did anybody else ever get to play? And I kind of looked at her. And I was like, where are you going with this, right? And she says, well, in basketball, would you play the shooting guard in the center? I mean, would you play them both? Or do they each have their own role to play? And I went, well, everybody has to play their position. She goes, yeah, you need to start letting some people play their position in this industry. And then she went on to explain to me how important it is to accept people for where they're at, too. Because their position in this industry does not have to be the varsity team. Their position in the industry can be on the practice practice field. Their position can be just throwing balls, you know, or throwing balls back yeah. to the pitcher while the pitcher pitches. The, the In this industry, it can be the person setting up all the chairs. Maybe they just want to be a part of what's going on. And she said, Tyler, there's a lot of reasons people join this industry. There's some of the biggest reasons, believe it or not, are just the community itself. I believe it. Because when you get involved in this industry, there's so many different backgrounds that you'll find yourself throughout life needing somebody that knows somebody in, an, in the automotive industry or sure. in the legal industry or in the dental industry or whatever. There's so many different backgrounds that are part of this industry that the community that you build will give you connections to those people that support the rest of your life. She goes, there's people that come here just for that. They just want to know more people. She said, there's people that come here because they just want someone to say, hey, you're okay. It's okay. You're doing fine. There's people here for that. There's people that are here just because the product in your company has done something for them or somebody in their close circle of friends that was the, almost miraculous to them. And they just want to make sure that they're always up to date on it. And they're always participating in the thing that was miraculous in their life. She goes, and then there's the people like you. 
There's the people like you that just are here to go out and change their financial situation in their life and you feel like you've made a good decision on a good company and you're here to teach other people how to do that. She goes, but even when you get into the financial side of things, there's so many different levels. What might be financially impactful to you, Tyler, is not the same thing that would be financially impactful to someone else. You might need 10, 20, 30,000 a month. Someone else might only need 1,000. They might need 500. And you have got to embrace them wherever they're at. Help them understand how to meet that goal. And then if their goal changes, teach them how to get to that next one. And that's how you build this business. She says, you need to put a great big hug around this community that you're building and understand their place in this business because there's all kinds of them. Not everyone is just like you. But did you become a hugger? I did, and it's the weirdest thing. <laughs> I actually, I'm probably the worst person now. I hug everybody. Well, there you have yeah. it. Okay. Well, that, no, I, I love that. And the other thing that you made me think of is because I think you're right. People join this for so many different reasons, and not everyone's going to join you for the same reason. In fact, most people won't. And on the flip side, I think people have different level of sacrifice that they're willing mm -hmm. to put in for this business too. So, you know, do you run up against the, hey, and I guess this kind of goes back to this something for nothing conversation, but I want it all, but I'm not willing to give up anything. Yeah. And that, that let's just be really, really blunt about that. It won't work. Yeah. You're going to give something up and you're going to give something up. You know, we, we like to teach people, you can give something up temporarily. There's a, there's a temporary imbalance in your life if you want long-term balance, okay? Mm -hmm. And it's, it's, it's the same in almost anything you choose to do. You're going to give up a temporary imbalance in your life through going to school, away from your family, studying late at night, taking your test to get whatever that degree is that you're looking for, right? There's going to be a temporary imbalance. So why not make that temporary imbalance in something that can give you that kind of huge success on the back end? I love right? that. I love and that. I, I want to take it back to what we were just talking about as we kind of wrap this up. Um, there's a really important, there's a really, really important, um, I guess, mindset or behavior that you have to have if you truly want to have a big organization. And let me explain what I mean by this. In my, in, in these last 18 to 20 years that I've been even learning more about this business, probably the most um, impactful thing that I've learned recently is how important it is for you to know how to find out what really moves somebody. Mm -hmm. And I started to tell the story about fishing because I kind of look at this industry the same way. Some people want to only fish with the product in their company as the bait. Some people want to fish with just the finances in their company as the bait. Some people are so scared of MLM that they just want to say, you know, I'm just part of these great group of people. Come just, hang out with me. Just come hang out with me. And they, they want to just throw one piece of bait in the water and think they're going to build their entire business around just people who either love the product or want to make money or just want to be part of the community or whatever. And the most important principle that I try to get people to understand is that you're allowed to fish with all of the bait. I like that. You're allowed to put as many lines in the water as you want. So the better you get at 
showing people information that may not even be something you're passionate about. Mm -hmm. The better you are about saying, hey, if you're here for the community, let me introduce you to that. And hey, if you're here for the product, let me introduce you to that. Hey, if you're here to make some money, let me help. Let me introduce you to that. Hey, if you're interested in systems or, or training, let me introduce you to that. If you're just interested in the background of our corporate team and what their experience is so that you can have the confidence that your effort today will still be benefiting, let me introduce you to that. Right. The better you are at putting those hooks in the water with the different types of bait, the more you will catch in your net, right? The more you will catch as you're fishing to build this business. And it was hard for me because like I said earlier, I thought everyone had to think like me. My success truly came when I realized that you don't. Yeah, wow, that's awesome. Well, as we wrap up, I want to wrap up with something that you said earlier. And you said, become a student of the industry. So final thoughts, how do you do that? So there are all kinds of resources, you guys, that you can go out and start becoming a student in the industry. You start, obviously, with the company that you're in. You can do that. You can go to the, the DSA, the Direct Sellers Association. That's where I started. I started with the Direct Sellers Association, which is, they're kind of the guardrails for our industry. They do a lot of lobbying for us. They're the guardrails. They kind of pay attention to what all the companies are doing. They capture the demographics of, mm -hmm. you know, the different types of people that are in this industry. And that's really eye-opening when you start to realize that the types of people that are having success, what their backgrounds are. And once I knew that, I started to really focus on that. I started to really understand that I needed, when those people showed up in my in my group or on my downline or mm -hmm. on my team, that I might just give a little bit of extra attention to them because I understood the industry. I think becoming a student of the industry helps you from the day you sign up till the day you're done, whenever that day comes. Because the biggest, hardest, most difficult questions that people ask when you're introducing your company to them are all industry questions. They're not company questions. So figure out they're, how to respond to the hard ones they're first. They're all industry questions because they know nothing about your company and they've heard all the rumors about the industry. So when you become a student of the industry and you can overcome the, the conversation in the very, very beginning, you will have true – I mean, your success will be accelerated to – I can't even put a number on it. It's Everything so Everything else feels manageable. It is. And I mean, it's, a, again, right where we started, overcoming that stigma – Become a student of the industry, handle it first, and I think everything else seems doable. It really does. All right. Well, Tyler, this has been awesome. Congratulations in the success that you've had in this industry. I know you have helped hundreds and thousands of people, you know, both on that financial side and with that product side. So thank you for your time and, and all you do. We'll talk to you later. All right. Sounds great. Thank you for tuning in to the Activation Nation podcast. Be sure to subscribe so you never miss an episode. Tell your friends and share your biggest takeaways from today's discussion with anyone who could benefit from them. This episode is sponsored by Life Vantage Legacy, a nonprofit dedicated to improving lives and building a lasting impact for those in need around the world. Learn more at lifevantage.com. We look forward to sharing more with you during next week's conversation. Thanks for listening and being an important part of the Life Vantage community.